Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network podcast. Today, we have a topic that many of you will probably be familiar with. So what comes to mind when I say corporate wellness? Do you think Google and playing ping pong and having snacks readily available? Or what is it that you think about when you think corporate wellness? Today's guest, Michelle Rhodes, is the owner of Green Roads Consulting and the author of six best-selling books around the topic of corporate wellness. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, good afternoon. We're so glad to have you on the show today. Uh, I'd like to really just start off by talking about, you know, how did you get into corporate wellness? You know, what's your background? Okay. Well, thank you for having me, Chris. First of all, I appreciate your time and I'm just ex- excited for your podcast. So I hope it does wonderfully well. It takes, uh, it takes you places that you never thought of. <laughs> thank you. But um, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And let me just also say real quick, these six books are of different topics. So they're not just corporate wellness, but there are women's empowerment. There is a nurse uh, entrepreneurship one-on-one book. It's actually my my best personal bestseller, uh, and then some other books that I've written with other nurses. So there are a variety of topics um, out there. But to answer your question, my background is actually managed care. So I've been a registered nurse twenty three years, and the bulk of those years have been in you know the the business of healthcare is what I would call it. So your case management, your care coordination, your care management. I have uh, started some new programs from ground zero at like the VA hospital when they were first, first starting and seeing where do we do to enroll patients to these care programs and so they could save the you know money at the end of the day and get those programs up and running. So I've done a myriad of things when it comes to helping either a payer source save money, make money, or the provider save money, make money. And so I've worked my way up through case management, utilization review, population health. And then my last position for outside of myself was population health care manager. So. And can you tell us a little bit about your work with the ANCC and setting the criteria for a healthy workplace? Yes. So actually that criteria was set. I was actually trained to be what they call a reviewer for their pathways program. And as we know, as professional nurses, when you're wanting to either gather, a, obtain a designation such as Magnet, that's a sister program. Pathways is like the baby sister program with ANCC. And sometimes you could, it could be a assisted living facility, it could be a skilled nursing facility, and even hospitals. They want to get that designation to sh- really prepare them or just really start to change their culture before they move into that Magnet piece, which is the like I said, the big sister of it. <laughs> and so one piece of the criteria of getting that designation is that, yes, it does have to be a healthy workplace. And it's physical, yes. I mean, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But really, a lot of the other the, the criteria behind that is not just staying physically well, but just helping the nurses in particular, uh, whether they have flexible work schedules or are they able to sh- change shifts easily with coworkers? Are they cross-trained? Um, is it just a way that this environment helps the nurse easily adjust with the lifestyle, you know, that maybe 
extends outside of the hospital, if that makes sense. So it's from scheduling, it's from PTO, it's from, yes, being able to to stay physically and healthy well, but also mentally, I would say, and emotionally well as well. That's perfect. And it kind of touches on my thoughts around what I typically see workplace wellness defined as, which is usually from what, you know, from experiences I've had uh, interacting with others, it's kind of like a cherry on top or an addition to. So um, for example, it, it might be that we have a designation for a physical fitness on top of, you know, your regular work, or we have a, a workplace wellness, you know, gym that you can go to, but it's on top of your regular work, not yes. really integrated into your work. And so, you know, could you talk a little bit about what a, what a workplace wellness program actually looks like or should look like? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just a little background about this piece of me, because <laughs> if you've studied my bio, you'll see that I've taken all sorts of training. And it's really, to me, all molds together, although I get a little bit of, of, of different types of experiences, which I mentioned managed care. I'm a certified managed care nurse, but I'd also undergone some training um, for workplace wellness, for a healthy workplace. And then uh, the culture of wellness is what it's called. So I wanted to just kind of preface this by saying, I just was drawn to this piece through just as a whole, how can I help uh, organizations stay healthy and well? So with that training, I decided to branch it, kind of bring a little branch of it into my business. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But to answer your question is it has to do with the culture of the workplace. So it's not just the physical, which is most times, like you said, we think of the gym and that's been my experience is that, oh, we offer a gym, we have a gym on site, or you get a 35% discount if you want to open a gym's membership, have a gym membership. Well, it definitely goes way beyond that. And so we look at really, truly, I guess I'll start from the like <laughs> the biggest, baddest, boldest version of a workplace wellness program that I could think of. And then I think based on the culture, the organization pulls what they what they need out of that, if that makes sense. So if the culture was thriving, it would be from the top down. That means even the CEO is a, is working out or it's or they portray um, they share what they're doing as far as staying well. Is it that they are known to be vegan is, or is it that they have um, vegan options in the cafeteria? Is it that we have a snack machine that's that has healthy options. We might have a green healthy uh, snack machine. They have those now. So it's really, like I said, top down, the whole culture is we're all moving towards this together. It's the way we talk to each other. It's the way that our benefits are set up. It's the way that we can, of course, stay physically uh, well. Do we have lunch and learns that help us de-stress? Do we have a stress room or a wellness room that we can go into and maybe just Breathe in some aromatherapy for five minutes on a break. Um, do we have some sort of walking program where we can all come together after work and take a walk? Or do we have a 90-day fitness challenge where a lot of us are trying to lose weight together? Do we have a smoking cessation program where, our, where those of, you, of us who are smokers can get together and really nip this in the bud once and for all? Um, do we have... Uh, Something for diabetics, hey, a support group or cancer support group. That's the biggest, baddest, boldest version of a well workplace wellness program where the whole culture just thrives from the CEO down 
to the choices in the cafeteria to the programming extraneously, all supporting us to be well from the inside out. That sounds like a dream. I mean, it it really is. It's a place when you describe it, it sounds like a place that I'm sure many of the listeners and myself, we would love to work at. And the fact of the matter is there's plenty of organizations that do have that. And then the other, on the other hand, there's plenty that, that aren't. That don't, right. um, To that level or not even scratching the surface. Yeah. And so, you know, would you, can you talk to us a little bit about why we would even want to put our attention there? So we know it's good, right? We know, we kind of know it's good, but really what are the, what's the return on investment on putting our attention on ensuring that we have a healthy workforce? Oh yeah. Well, that's what it all boils down to at the end of the day. So that's the question I get asked as a consultant is like, okay, what does this, you know, look like realistically, if I invest in you coming here to help us with this, what does this look like? So like I said, that's the biggest, boldest, baddest, that's ideal, right? So that's probably your Googles. They have a little couch and lounging room, just all those things that I mentioned. But I just say that because from there, now you can see where we can pull down what we need. So I'll tell you that my background in insurance kind of helps me with this because I can go into a new um, a prospective client and say, let me just look at your trend reports from what you're spending. And so this is where the money comes in. What have you been spending in the way of your diabetes, your diabetes drugs, the diabetes uh, patients who need supplies, uh, the cancer diagnosis? Well, let's see what those medications are looking like. You know, just really looking at diagnoses and the spending that's happened in the past year or two years, because It really can take another year or two years to turn this around. It's not going to happen overnight. But we start with the ones that are paying out, you know, top dollar. And that's usually the cancer, the diabetes. And sometimes, believe it or not, inflammatory is (laughs) a biggie right now. And so with that, we can construct. And that's what I do is help them construct wellness programs based on their data. And so tell me what's going on and let's see what programming we can put in place just to attack the biggest, you know, problems. Um, and from that, yes, if we give, they give me at least one year to implement, whether it be lunch and learns, whether it be support groups, whether it be coaching, which is group or private coaching, then we can um, move those clients who are willing to come on board through the process of change in behavioral uh, modification to, to, and that equals dollars. Cause once they start to eat better, you know, this, <laughs> oh, do better uh, with their choices and their lifestyle, it will reflect in what the spending is on the other side of that. Do you find that there's resistance on the part of the employees in terms of the behavior modification? Or is this something that, you know, they're just kind of been seeking and wanting and, and, you know, they kind of jump right in? It all boils down to the culture. I will tell you that. Because yes, you'll have some cultures that, hey, this is how it is. We've always done it this way type of resistance. And that's where it comes from is that, hey, the employers let me do it this way for so many years, or I haven't had to choose, or I don't have to attend that class. So there there could be, yes, for sure, just not even willingness to participate. Uh, and so that's where we begin to, you know, there's a whole process of helping the culture to change. And uh, I'll just give you like one tidbit, because there's a whole process to it. but. Um, we start with planting um, champions throughout the organization. So people who can cheer on the, the, the efforts or the, the like lead a specific project. And um, if you've seen anything, 
almost similar to going viral when you can just get maybe one person to to like something and to try something and give a testimonial and then you have two and then three and then four and it begins to spread almost that's really how we do culture changes because it's not gonna take it's, it's going to take really one person at a time but sometimes when you feel co-workers and other people around you changing and having fun and participating it almost like a natural progression for others to want to. You probably won't get 100% buy-in, but it definitely helps. So that's one way you can help bring about behavioral change, just planting your, your champions and then really uh, having a strategic plan to help spread the, the good news, so to speak. Do you in, typically involve the employees in the designing of the strategic plan? So for example, after you've done the data deep dive with um, the leaders of the organization, you know, and you get your champions, what is the next step? What does it look like? Well, like I said, it's a whole process. So it's really much more than what I can share today because it's probably a good 10 to 12 steps that we go through to, to set it up. But I will say as far as bringing in the employees, it's a survey process. So to some degree, they are involved uh, because again, we have the data on the other side that's showing what needs to be done. But then we also want to take into consideration their thoughts, their feelings, what they would appreciate more and just using um, where they are as well and combining the two to customize um, that, that wellness program for that particular employer. So it kind of leads me to my next thoughts around um, workplace wellness. As a nurse leader, what what are some ways that we can contribute to a culture of wellness? What is what is um, a step or two that we could take to begin that journey? Awesome question. Awesome question. You know, the first step, and it seems so obvious, is that, again, I mentioned earlier that it starts at the top. So the ones that I've studied, the, the, the employers out there, and um, I know OSU has an awesome program where it starts from the top. So the very top person who's actually suggesting this change or bringing about this new program, they are deeply involved in it as well. So the first step is to be the change, to let the employer see uh, what you're doing, as well as bringing in those those um, champions to support. But that's the biggest piece is that it truly is buy-in. There's some buy-in there because they see the leaders uh, executing the same um, process. Yeah, I know uh, several of the organizations that I've worked for have put a huge emphasis on workplace wellness and uh, not just workplace wellness, but even, you know, combining workplace wellness with patient wellness. And so um, one of the employers that I worked for in the past had um, a healing garden where you could kind of go out and do meditation and they'd have Tai Chi out there. Um, they also had labyrinths that you could kind of walk and, and do the meditation piece. And so I've seen wellness incorporated in that way. Um, I remember uh, one of the organizations that I worked for in one of our meetings before we started the meetings, I didn't really tell them I was going to be doing this, but I brought some, I brought my call map actually and mm. turned it on. And, and I said, okay, guys, before we start this meeting, we are going to practice some meditation. And they looked at me like I had lost my mind. You know, they were like, wait a minute, we only have an hour for this meeting. You're going to make us spend 10 minutes of it doing meditation. Um, and then they looked at me probably like, you know, they just, it was very unexpected, I think. And after we did it, I had several come up to me and just say, you know, that was really nice because we don't ever get to take the time to stop and just breathe. And so mm -hmm. it was 
you know, it was, it was, I think it was a nice treat and something that was well received. And so those are some ways I know from the position you're standing in now that you can just kind of begin the journey is really introduce them to these techniques in terms of little quick wins for mindfulness and, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, 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 yes. And it's surprising. Just added to that, that we are, of course, in the information age of information or information age, but even more so, and you probably know this as well, education is moving towards what they call micro learning. So people are wanting just snippets of, of things. It doesn't have to be a long drawn out or whatever we're, sh- we're sharing, whatever type of information we're sharing, just three to five minutes. I actually try to put as much content that I can into 60 seconds when I do my videos now that I share. So I say that to say, it's not funny that you said that because I do a, a wellness for the busy nurse or wellness for the busy professional. And that's how I start off my actual workshop as well as I take, I dim down the lights for just 60 seconds. And I say, hey, just deep breathe. Let's deep breathe together. And it's just a way of refocusing, getting grounded, but it really puts them in a place that, you know what, let me really enjoy this <laughs> because yeah, I'm always too busy to, to do this. So it definitely sets the, the atmosphere. And it's just another example as to how we as leaders can set the atmosphere. You literally are inviting wellness in all sorts of ways. Like you mentioned, I didn't even think about the gardening. That's an awesome, awesome concept, but it definitely, it comes from the inside out. And it's, we try to touch on all six. I preach six facets of wellness. There are 10. So some wellness educators will teach eight, some 10. I go through six, but it's a way of incorporating all of that. Would you mind sharing what those six are? <laughs> I had a feeling you'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about physical, of course. You you know, that's the biggie. When you go to the doctor, people say, I know he's going to ask me my weight, so I don't even want to go. It's a, it's, it's, it's a part of it. We definitely have to deal with it. And it's, and I, you know, it's just a matter of balance. So no one's perfect. But at least if we're doing something to start and uh, something that we like and enjoy, staying physically well, meaning your what you're eating, your nutrition and your movement and your exercise definitely is a part. It's just, it's been proven. Um, but in addition to that, number two, I move into occupational wellness, meaning your your work. What do you do? Is it really fulfilling to you? Is it something that you truly love? Is, is it coming from your heart? Because if you're not happy, and we know that with what you're doing, because work takes up, gosh, about 70% of our day. I'm not sure if that's right, but it's a big part of our day. And so we want to make sure that we're well in what our work is, what we do for a living. Um, three is a spiritual wellness. So whatever that might mean to us individually, whatever um, that looks like, but are you in connection to your spirit? And what do you do to stay well in that area? What type of practices? What do you believe? What are your values? You know, all of that. And just knowing that and standing firm in that and being okay with that. Four, we go into social wellness. So meaning, you know, how are you connecting with others? What are your relationships like? Um, How do you balance them with your life? And are they um, fulfilling? Are they positive? You know, are they impacting you negatively? really looking at social, those social connects and how you connect with others as well. <laughs> sometimes it's not always them influencing us. Sometimes we're influencing others. So really looking at that. Um, intellectual wellness is the next one. Again, you know, really feeling like you're growing, 
mentally? What am I doing to learn? Am I reading a new book? Am I going back to school? Am I going to learn a new craft? It's just challenging the mind in the creative side of it, um, which is different than mental health, but just really stimulating, stimulating the mind to learn and grow. And then lastly, emotional, emotional wellness which again is different than mental, but it leads to it. But really knowing what your feelings are, being in tune with your feelings. Some people feel like, I don't know what I'm feeling. They can't express what they're feeling. They don't, don't know how to handle their feelings. So if they are feeling a certain way, how do you handle those emotions? Uh, that's what emotional wellness is. And so if we can just tap into ways to keep those in balance, it's a great start <laughs> to staying well. Because there's you. others like, yeah, financial. I didn't even touch that. I don't even teach that because it's not. I mean, it's a def, It's like a whole specificity, if that's a word, <laughs> uh, class <laughs> that um, the National Wellness Institute offers. If you want to just be certified in financial wellness, so it's a thing. Like it's a like the seventh leg of this, but it's not a part of my particular teachings because it really is in depth. And um, I do feel that people really need. If that's a problem, that they should go do a deep dive into that but it's a part of wellness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think, fi I think I read yesterday that it's um, one of the number one reasons for divorce is financial unwellness. And so mm -hmm. definitely is a piece to it. You know, I really like how you broke down each of the different types of wellness. And so I'd like to just take a few minutes to kind of dig a little deeper into each of them. So in terms of occupational wellness, does your consulting group help address each of these um, aspects of wellness and create strategic plans around them? Or, you know, when you talk about occupational wellness and really being happy in your job, what are some things that you could do to assess the state of occupational wellness at your work? And what can you do to address it as a leader? Yeah, awesome question. So yeah, we definitely do our own assessments. I have assessments for each of these. Uh, I will tell you the next part of that, though, is it all depends on the results of that assessment. Like if I can help personally help um, the, the person guide them in a way like for me, it would be nursing if they're really wanting to be a nurse. And I definitely can help them find their way in that. But if it's something outside of me, I, tr I really don't delve into it deeply because um, you can go into like career counseling almost. So I don't want to do that. That's a whole um, it's very specific and you have to be trained in that piece. However, I do have, I try to keep a really great resource list as a part of my consulting. So I know where to send, um, people who are struggling in particular areas. So, and you'll find that with each of these that we break them down. Cause I don't do it all. It def definitely would be impossible, but I know how to assess them. I know how to identify them, give them some resources if I have them. And if I don't, I have uh, resources available on the other side of that that I can share with them to get them where they need to be, depending on their um, their outcomes, their 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 assessment findings. Oh, okay. And for that one, is it? Do you assess like individuals in the organization, or is it just kind of like a thing? I think of like a nurse satisfaction survey not doing well, or what does that look like in terms of the way you assess that? Yeah. So it all depends on. The <laughs> I know you're left with this. The package that the employer purchases from me, I have three different packages. So it's a, you know, like a small, I'll just say small, medium and large package, but you can have something very small where I'm just doing um, an assessment and doing maybe some lunch and learns to uh, increase awareness. 
So say I did a lunch and learn on occupational wellness. Uh, they would learn a little bit more about their gifts. What are they doing to discover their gifts? Are you feel like you're walking in your purpose? You know, we just bring all that to light and it's up to them to, and I'll give them some resources I always do with my, my presentations, but they have to go walk that out. So yeah, I hope you see where I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah. So immediate, yeah, so it all depends on what the employer has purchased from me. So, you know, really that's my, my because workplace wellness looks all different for a different consultant. Some go, you know, into smoking cessation and diabetes. I really am like really the assessor and getting people started on their way. Okay, so if they purchase like a medium package for me, that means, yes, I'm doing some lunch and learns, but I'm also doing some group coaching. So that's my package for that. And so if I come in and do that lunch and learn that I just talked about, then I'm also going to follow up with maybe that it just depends. We might do a Zoom call or we might meet in person. It's up to the employer. Um, and then we'll do some group coaching. So then I can really delve deeper to into yeah them individually and as a group. And then my bigger package is my team and I, yes, we're going to do those lunch and learns. We're going to have some group coaching, but we're also going to have some one-on-one um, -on -one coaching for individuals to really get where they need to be in these different areas. So yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, it it sounds like it's amazing work that's going on. And I, I can see how each piece of the wellness fits into your overall wellness. Now, Michelle, do you do these wellness activities or wellness assessments inside and outside of healthcare? Are these healthcare specific? Inside and outside. And you'll be surprised. You know, I just love her. All your questions are great because up until now, actually, they've been Although I want to get these into the hospital, like that's my target market, I'm getting calls for <laughs> just cor corporate. So my contract right now is with my city where I live. So it's not a hospital, but everywhere you go, every you know corporation has employees. So it again, it depends on their readiness as an organization to face this, and of course, what's in the budget because that's always the barrier. So, but you know, when we can present that ROI, we talked about that earlier. Hey, you're losing X amount of dollars on, you know, your diabetes um, employees, or we see a spike in your stroke. What's going on with the stress here? Then they start to see that it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally see how, you know, you need to invest up front because not only does it impact dollars, but it impacts people's mm -hmm. lives. It impacts the patients that we could take care of in healthcare or the city workers, you know, who can, I'm making it up, like fix the broken potholes or, or you know, I'm just kind of saying it, it impacts it much more beyond the financial mm -hmm. dollars. I mean, it impacts our communities by not investing in this. So I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So just for an example, with that stress piece, you know, this particular city, they're having lots of stress claims and you better think those workers are policemen, they're, you know, medics, they're firefighters. So, you know, what are we looking at here? What do we need to do in those areas to help control or teach or bring awareness to their stress and give them ways to cope with it? So those are the types of things we're dealing with. Yeah. And even though that's not healthcare per se, they deal with life and death just like nurses do every day. So I can see how it, you know, relates to one another. Mm -hmm. What is in all of the work that you've done, what is one of the most creative or the one of the most impactful practices that an employer has um, begun that really helped their folks? Hmm. Wow, that's a great question as well. You know, 
and I'm just going to give a case study because I haven't done the top tier. What I do love, like I mentioned earlier, the top tier where it's all or nothing. We're all in from the boss down. I have some studies to show, hey, this is what happened when everyone got involved and we had champions going out and we had team leaders and we had, you know, group and individual and challenges going on to help everyone stay focused and and have, you got to have incentives as well. So that's a piece we didn't get to talk about yet, but it really can transform an organization if the entire culture has changed. It's really hard to get that ROI that they want if there's not you know, complete buy-in. So I would say just knowing what's out there and what's possible based on numerous case studies is that truly if a um, organization can shift it and, and put this into the budget, it definitely will get the ROI back and they have to be committed to it as well. Yeah, I agree. You, you know, thinking about how about workplace wellness and can see how this might translate into, for example, students. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking either academia or, you know, as nurse leaders, we typically have students in our in our workplace. And so we know as nursing students that it's probably one of the most stressful times in our life when we're trying to get through nursing school. And so I'm wondering how, you know, we could look at all of this framework for wellness and translate it into our students and our residents in the academic and practice setting. And so it just sounds like it might be worthwhile to even take it one step further and go beyond just um, our personal workplaces, but look into, you know, the future generation of nursing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, from what I've seen there, of course, there's usually wellness centers on university, the campuses. And I think them within, in, within that particular piece of the organization, they are embracing, you know, expansion of what they offer. Because up until now, it's been more prevention, you know, immunizations and physicals, lots of physicals and, you know, topics, you know, very sensitive topics to teach as the students are, are growing and going through different changes or different challenges. They will teach, end up really teaching all of these different facets that we talked about, the six facets, whether, whether they really see it or not. But I think that now they're going more into Maybe, you know, a wellness night or, uh, of course, lunch and learns are popular um, or coming, you know, hear a certain speaker and get lots of resources in this particular area. Like I would say finance that comes into play. So I've seen them kind of tackle these one at a time and just really be creative with it to get it out there. Um, and then on the hospital side, which is not just residents, but I will say I've seen because I do, you know, I'm following the trends so I can stay abreast of what's going on out there. Although I don't, again, implement them all, I definitely can bring the resources in. So the emergency room. So it's not just residents, but you can take the emergency room for one example. And there's a hospital, I believe in Northeastern, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, don't get me <laughs> misquote the, the name of the hospital. But it was the fact that they brought in um, a wellness pod into their emergency room. So it was crafted where the workers in that, um, who work in that section can go into this private room and um, it's like quiet music. And it's just like a pot, almost like a kiosk that you kind of lock yourself in there. So it's one person at a time. You can watch a uh, relaxing video, like a two minute video or three minute video with, you know, the ocean or whatever. And uh, listen to, or you can listen to music or you can like press a button and some aromatherapy comes out. And um, so things like that, they are coming. So these are some innovative ways that different high stress areas are uh, 
in, in healthcare are addressing wellness as well. Yeah, I can see that working in a variety of settings. I mean, as a nurse, I'm sure all, if not most, or most, if not all of us have experienced a lot of patient loss. And so, you know, to to go through that loss and then have to immediately walk to the next bed and take care of the next patient like nothing happened is it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not something that our, our human bodies and minds are designed to do. And so mm-hmm. I can see how this can really kind of give us some time to reflect on what just happened and be prepared to take care of the next patient in the best possible way. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. I, I have tons of them, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, it's just, it's great content, Michelle. So why don't we dig into a couple other of the wellness topics? Um, so social wellness, tell me about how you would, how we would assess for that. What is it that as a nurse leader, we'd want to look for um, and what might we do to to improve that aspect of wellness? Yeah, well, hmm, this is a little difficult when it comes to the nurse leader, if you're looking to your staff, unless they come to you, because this is more so, you know, what's it going on with their relationships? And a lot of it, yes, it's for, if it's within the four walls of the hospital, then we probably could maybe tap into that. But many of these also extend outside of, you know, work. So that makes it a little difficult. But, you know, if we want to just make sure there are healthy, um, you know, relationships within, because we know nurse building is a, is a real problem. It's a thing. It's, it's not <laughs> up for debate. So we want to make sure that, you know, our workers are socializing. They are able to speak, you know, keep the communication basically open. Uh, maybe there's some sort of way that we design our communication on our floor. Like, well, this is how we're going to, these are the house rules, so to speak, when it comes to communication. Um, you know, do we do things inside or outside of the, the, the ward together to kind of build our relationships? Do we have maybe some sort of hobbies or a book, even a book club, you know, just something where the sense of togetherness, basically, to keep us feeling healthy socially, if it's just our our ward, our you know our where we work, but if it's outside of work, then you look at those other relationships where, you know, are you making time for friends, family, spouse? Um, those are things you the person would want to look at. Yeah, you know, um, a couple of years ago, my daughter passed away, and at the same time, um, there was a, two other people that I worked closely with that had. Um, loved ones pass away around the same time. I mean, it was within months. And Mm. we kind of naturally formed a mini grief group um, so that we could kind of support each other going through that. And so I could see how um, when we look at social wellness and extending beyond our walls, just creating structures, structures and forums for things that commonly happen, right? I mean, loss is Mm -hmm. just a part of life or... Um, things like, you know, getting married even cause, can cause stress. It's good stress usually, but, um, you know, just creating forms in which folks that have things in common um, can share and, and grow um, socially. And so to kind of help create a network and a friendship and a sister or brothership, if you will, um, among the staff as well. So I can see how as a nurse leader, we could facilitate things that, that relate to life in general outside of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then um, that's, I mean, the, those are the positive ways, but I also break these down into negative ways. Sometimes you, we are so busy, we don't catch the signs, so to speak. You know, you've heard that say, oh, I didn't know, or I didn't ever thought about her doing such and such a thing. Well, if you notice people withdrawing and not wanting to, to 
even talk to anyone at work or um, when they do talk, it's all negative. You know, what is why? What's the what's the root of that? And that's why I said this gets a little sticky. So it's a matter of if we can have that open communication that when this does come up and someone's kind of going through the muck that they feel, you know, OK with with coming to their manager or their leader and opening up if they want to um, about what's going on so we can get them the help that they need. But yeah, so just avoiding people, negative talk, you know, sometimes we have bad relationships out of outside of work and we know sometimes that follows us in, into work. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right. What about the intellectual wellness? So you talked you touched on that. Tell me a little bit more about how we would assess that and or provide support for it. Yeah, I think I, you know, as a whole, that nursing does pretty well in this area because we love to get our letters. <laughs> <laughs> we love the letters behind our name and we love to achieve these board certifications, which is all great, right? It's not anything wrong with it, but it really is just a matter of you saying, hey, I achieved something. I achieved a goal that my mind felt, you know, compelled to learn. So I think overall we do well with it, but it, yeah, it's just really having an atmosphere in the workplace of challenging people to, to grow intellectually. So whether we can start with just a book club and learn something new, whether it be a new skill, but, you know, for those who don't want to go back to school, but for those who do, do we have programs in place to support those who are going back to school um, and those who, you know, maybe are natural problem solvers? Do we have them in the right position? Because you have some that love to problem solve and we should know those traits about, you know, those that we work with so we can make sure people are really just, you know, bringing their greatest good to work. Yeah, this is a huge piece of building up your team. So really, you know, when I meet with my folks that I that report to me, um, and, you know, I've done this ever since I've been a leader, I really sit down and ask them, where do you want to go? And what are the steps we can do to get you there? So really just kind of being that support person, because we're the ones as leaders that have you know, the networks and the connections that we can get them on to these programs and these committees and this work that they're really interested in um, so that they can flourish. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you there. That's a great point. Awesome. Yes. So, Michelle, I mean, I just want to say thank you. You've shared so much um, and it's these are all really actionable um, activities and they're, they're activities that we, they're not really a choice in my mind. We really, if we want our people to take the best care of patients as possible. We have got to be taking the best care of ourselves as possible. If more people want to hear about what you and the Green Roads Consulting do, um, where can they find you? Well, thank you again, Chris. This has been wonderful. And it's just exciting to share, you know, what I do outside of LinkedIn. I know that's where we connected, but yeah, they can go to greenroadsconsulting.com and that's G-R-E-E-N-E. There's an E on the end of green to find out more about what I do and my team, what we do across the country, um, how we help you know impact corporations across America. I mean, really are excited to grow. We're actually launching um, two years now. So yeah, if they can have, just take a look at my website and contact me there. I have two books on Amazon as well. Um, actually one that pertains to this program is called When the Red Arrow Goes Up. And it talks about the cost of staying well at work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Chris.
Oh, 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 oh,